Welcome to another episode of The Culture Connection. I'm John Graham, your host. We are a division of the Christian Index, Georgia Baptist's uh, newspaper, the oldest religious newspaper in the country. And uh, we are delighted to have with us a special guest today. You know, when most of us think of the Mafia, we think about Goodfellas or The Godfather or The Sopranos. But our guest today thinks about his life. (laughs) And uh, Robert Borelli was an up-and-comer in the infamous Gambino crime family in New York. But when his life hit rock bottom, he turned to faith in Christ, and it's all in his new book, The Witness. Robert, welcome to our program. Well, thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, you're going to have to really help me because I have absolutely no context other than Hollywood about the, the mafia. How did, how did you find yourself? What, how, did, how does one end up in this situation? Well, it, it, it's not complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, like in my neighborhood, it was basically run by the gang, you know, crime family. That's back in East New York, Brooklyn. Uh, so didn't know that at a young time, but I was, my neighborhood was kind of, it's really hard to describe the Brooklyn area that I came from. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. But it was mob run and uh, me being, you know, you had to be a little bit of a tough guy. You know, I was small and didn't want to get picked on. So the guys in the neighborhood seen that and kind of took a liking to me. So they would invite me into their club. They had social clubs that were like storefronts outside of some of the apartment buildings that we were living in. And I would go in there and I would hang out with them a little bit, play pool with them a little bit. Then they'd make me run some errands for them. And then they would have card games in the back. And then I would go back there and serve sandwiches or drinks for these guys. So they didn't want nobody to get up from the card table because that stops the progress of the game. Right. So they wanted to make sure that they stayed at the table. The game kept going. I would serve them drinks and I would make tips. So it was a, I thought it was a good business. Yeah, right, <laughs> sure. Point. <laughs> so. But it, uh, I guess at some level it moved into something a little bit more than just waiting tables. Yes. As, as I got a little bit older, and of course they liked me a little bit more and trusted me a little bit more, and I was kind of like the tough kid in the neighborhood, and they would send me on doing policies, which was numbers, uh, picking up number slips or picking up sports bets like horses or something like that. There, And I would go to people's apartments, and they'd give me a couple of dollars with a piece of paper, and I'd bring it to the guys, and I started like that. And then at the age of about 17 years old, I started hanging out with a guy. His name was Anthony, and his dad was one of the bosses in the neighborhood, and uh, through that there, I started hanging out with them, and he would bring me, and i never forget it, every Friday night, his dad had a big spread for food, and a whole bunch of the people from the neighborhood would come and pray, pay honor to him. And I was only 17 years old at the time to sit down at the table with all these big shots, mm. money-making guys, dressed really nice, diamond rings, you know, the whole nine yards. I got very infatuated with that, was very impressed in the respect that his dad was getting and to me, okay, that's what I would like to see in my life. Right, so, right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it just seems so hard to believe that, I mean, whatever we see in Hollywood, there's a lot of truth there, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of the same. I mean, that's not just fiction. There's, there's really this kind of crime going on, this kind of influence and that kind of thing. Without a doubt. And, and in my opinion, there's just, of course, my opinion. The movie Goodfellas was probably the most accurate. There was a couple of things that were infatuated about. I mean, not infatuated, but that was escalated in. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really true. 
but that would be the closest to the mob. And the reason why I say that, because I was associated with some of those guys. It was a different family, but I knew their children or knew them and associated with them just through, you know, contacts and stuff. So that would be the most accurate one. So when you see that movie and you see that type of lifestyle, that was pretty uh, real. That was real. At least it was real in my life. You wow. Know? So there was a time your, your life continued to kind of started start spiraling downward. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And let me just put it this, in 19, 1975, 20 years old, I was already on, on the run from the law for one murder case, and I got locked up. And I got locked up for two murders in possession of a weapon. I was only 20 years old. Wow. And I'm guessing most of the guys probably thought, okay, this kid is too young to try to face that kind of time. We need to back off of him a little bit. But I stood my ground, didn't involve anybody in anything, stood the, did the time, waited to get out on bail. They bailed me out. Then they paraded me around as like the up-and-coming star, and they gave me no crime family. That was kind of like, I hate to say the term, but the claim to fame and that kind of mm. lifestyle, where everybody started acknowledging me. And then they would bring me around to other things. And then I got involved with some crap games. And then they would, I remember this one time, this guy lost a, a lot of money, probably about ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in about 20 minutes and no expression on his face whatsoever. Now, I've been around a lot of people that have money, but when they lost their money, they get very upset. Right, right. But this guy had no expression, so he asked that I would go to his car and get a bag out of his car, and it was a brown paper bag in the back of a brand new Jaguar, and I was very impressed with it, and I brought him a bag, it was just more money. So at the end of the game, I asked him, okay, what does this guy do that he could have that kind of money and doesn't bother him? This is in the, early, the, the middle 70s, I mean, that's a lot of money. Right. And they said he was one of the biggest drug dealers in the neighborhood. So me, Jaguar, a lot of money, that's what I want. So I got involved with drugs. I started selling drugs. Mm. Then I started doing drugs. And then the drugs started doing me, and that was my spiral down. Wow. It was cocaine. Wow. And, and there was a moment when you realized <laughs> this, is, this has got to change, right? Yeah. Tell, tell me about that. What happened? Well, in 1997, I got arrested. I, was, I had a warrant in a federal case in, in Miami, Florida. I had a state case in, in New York for drugs. And I got arrested. I called them my two angels. They weren't really angels. They were warrant officers. <laughs> the reason why I call them angels is because that's the last time I had a drink and a drug. Mm. So I got arrested, put in Rikers Island. I know I'm going to stay there. They're not going to give me a bail because I was already running from them already. So two things I do that I know through my past experience being locked up and doing time is I need to get a good attorney to get me out of the mess that I got myself into. But then again, I have to have commissary money so this way I can live as comfortable as I can while I am in there. Mm. And uh, that was kind of my routine. But you got to remember, now I was strung out on crack cocaine, so I didn't have no money when I got locked up. Right. So I'm calling up everybody trying to get all the money in. And then my daughter, who I had walked out of her life when she was only seven weeks old, to just go get high for that night and then come back home. Uh, that was back in 93. So all these things started piling up. So now I'm calling and her, my daughter's mother's allowing me to talk to my daughter. She wouldn't allow me around my daughter because of my addiction, but she allowed me to talk to her. My daughter happened to be crying. And I said, Brianna, why are you crying? She said, because she won't come and see me. And just the thought of how many times I was in the neighborhood and I'd rather get high than see my own daughter. Mm. And that was just devastating for any human being, whether you're a gangster or a drug addict, no matter what. Right. And it just crushed my heart. Now, if I could have ran and got high or a drink or something like that, that would have been the first place. I, 
but I couldn't do all that, any of that at that point in time, so my heart just broke in pieces. Now, I was raised, I was raised Roman Catholic, so I knew about God, right. but I never had a relationship with him. So I ran back to myself, I was crying, I slammed down the phone, I didn't want the people in Rikers Island to see me crying, that would be a sign of weakness, I ran to myself, and I basically gave God an ultimatum. I said, if you're real, either have somebody kill me or change me, because I, I, I just can't live with this kind of life no more. Mm -hmm. And I think God really honored the sincerity and the cry of my heart. Uh, and and I, I believe at that, point in God, at that point in time, God said, okay, I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to change it. But wow. you have to allow me in. And that's what I did. Wow. That's so amazing. Now, I mean, were, were there people, were there other believers there with you that, that could help walk you on a discipleship path? How did that happen? Not at that point in time. But earlier, I was trying to get money. And I called up this one girl who was a good friend of mine. And she said, why don't you go read your Bible? And I'm saying that's a brush off. So the combination of her saying that and my daughter crying, which was probably a couple of weeks apart, yeah. I just started reading the Bible. Now, I used to read Robert Ludlum books because that's how I occupy my time in jail. But I was reading a little bit of the Bible and then getting in my Robert Ludlum books. And then I just felt something inside me say, you need more of this book and less of those books. <laughs> So I started giving those books away. So I just started reading the Bible, and wow. I just fell in love with Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, man, but I could tell you it's, the agape love is so much different than any love I ever experienced mm -hmm. in, my, in my life. Love for my daughter, love for my mother, even the love that I received, it was just such a great experience that I was so hungry and desperate and thirsty for more of Jesus that I just kept reading the Bible. But then you can see how the Spirit of God kept on working in my life throughout my incarceration. And that's, you know, a, a little bit deeper into the story. Sure, yeah. Well, so you have taken all of this. I mean, you, you basically transitioned your life story this trans into a ministry. Is that right? Yes. So, so you're traveling around telling your story and... and Essentially a gangster evangelist, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess you could say that, but, you know, I think that gangster part is gone dead. Yeah. You know, I was baptized September 9th, 1990, uh, 1997 in prison. Wow. And uh, I was going into the witness protection room because I cooperated with the government. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that, okay, I'm going to get a new identity. I'm going to get a new name. I'm going to start a whole new life under a different person. Didn't understand the concept of born again, actually. Mm. But when I was being baptized, it was kind of like you're dying to self and living yeah. for Christ. Christ is coming into your life. And I used that, and I, I cried like a baby when I was getting baptized. And I just said, okay, they're going to give me a new identity, but Christ already has given me a new identity. So I correlate those two stories to bring about the born-again experience Absolutely. that I received that most people have not got that kind of experience because the government actually wiped my slate clean. I have mm. no record anymore. I'm a new creation, Robert Borelli. Actually, if you look at my Social Security number, you can't find nothing past 1999 when <laughs> I came out of prison. So I have a new name. So what I like to tell everybody, and I use my evangelism, is the fact that it's never, never, never too late for a new beginning. Mm, you know? Absolutely. No matter where you are, where you're stuck at, job-wise, anything, whether Christian or non-believer, it's never too late for a new beginning, but for me, my new beginning started when I cried out to God, either kill me or change me because I can't live like this anymore. And I believe he actually honored the desire and the cry of my heart. Yeah, for sure. Now, you've taken this story and you have put it into a book called uh, The Witness. Yes. Yeah. What a, what a powerful, what a powerful uh, a title. Kind of, kind of, give me a little bit. How did that title come about? Well, I just, I was a witness for the government. Right. 
and now I'm a witness for Christ. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and in Revelations 12, 11, it says, and we defeated him, meaning the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not fear for their own lives even unto death. Mm. You know? So I believe that God gave me this experience and given me this platform, so to speak, yeah. to go out there and show people that fear will paralyze you from doing the things God's called you to do. We need to, if we're going to tell people that they need to trust in Christ and give their lives to Christ, then we have to live it by example. And Absolutely. I think there's a way that I'm, I'm showing that there. But the main thing I try to do is, you see, we, I remember watching The Passion of Christ. I mm. think we all remember that Powerful. movie. Absolutely. But what I come to is my story is a passion for Christ. Mm. I have a passion for Christ because Christ had a passion for me when he died on the cross for me. He found you in a jail cell. Amen. Wow. Yes. So um, I got to ask you, though, I mean, I'm sure you're a recognizable face unless you've had some sort of, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage face-off kind of thing going on. Are you concerned about the, uh, the, the visibility of, of yourself now? Well, uh, I was thrown out of the witness protection program because I married somebody from New York, which was a violation and breach of my, my, my security. Okay. So they threw me out. My wife was the one that said, you need to share your story. Mm -hmm. So that opened up the door for me to start sharing my story. And in the beginning, I was a little nervous, but I, I, this is the analogy that I got for me. What's the worst that can happen to me? Mm. If they kill me, I go to be with the Lord. <laughs> to live as Christ, and to die as gain. There you go. Yeah. And if I stay here, I get to glorify my Jesus. Mm. So I never talk a lot about my past because I'm not here to glorify Robert Engel. I'm here to glorify Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's the, my story. And I'm wow. sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about the Apostle Paul, right? He there was, he was yes. a murderer. That's and right. uh, God said, let's change things. So, That's right. What a powerful story, Robert. Thank you so much. How can folks, how can folks get your book? How can they get involved in your ministry? Uh, those okay. kinds of things. You, you can go to the website, robertborelli.com. And for any donation, I will send you a book and autograph it. If you want me to autograph it, I would just let's say I want your autograph and send it for any donation. Just give me your address, the name you want me to send it to, and I'll mail it to you. Or you could go to Amazon.com and buy it off Amazon.com. It's not in bookstores. It's either Amazon.com or Robert Brelly. But on the website, you'll get a lot of information about what I'm doing, where I'm going. I love to just share my story. I'm open for anybody that will welcome me in their, in their church in their whatever uh, ministry that they're doing, right. just to speak about how much I love my Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's B-O-R-E-L-L-I, uh, Robert Borelli. That's correct, right? I want to make sure I got it spelled right. You got it right. So folks can get there and uh, find out more about you. Thank you so much for being with us today, Robert. Just a joy to hear your story. And, uh, man, what a, uh, you know, we, 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 I guess, romanticize this yeah. crime idea not romantic to you it's 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 a it's a sad where god where god found you we'll call Amen. it that right yes so hallelujah thank you so much for spending time with us robert well Enjoyed thank you it. god bless you all I right appreciate you be blessed and thanks to everyone else who's been listening uh you this was robert borelli and uh, you can uh, find out more about through his book the witness available on his website and also on amazon until next time this is john graham bringing you the culture connection